This is your job. This is your responsibility. You know, when you see that person where they might be going astray or maybe they're not walking in wisdom or you see things online that's just really stirring you up and you're like, God, this is bothering me. Why are people doing this? Why are people doing that? They're not listening to you, God. So many people are going astray. Pause. It is your job. You, yes, you, have been instructed by the Lord to teach the next. I'm not asking for you to go out and get a minister or license. Now, if the Lord is calling you to be licensed, then amen. But it is your job and you are held responsible for who you do and do not speak life into. Who are those souls that you keep overlooking because you're waiting for somebody else who you feel is more qualified to handle the job? But God has placed this burning desire on your heart to help someone. It is your job. It is your responsibility. The Bible talks so much about the generation teaching the next generation. It is not just about training up our physical children in the way that they should go, but also children of the world, children of the children of the light, the son of God. It is our responsibility to teach the next the ways of God. And how do you know? Let me help you out. If you are older than anybody, you and somebody's younger than you, that's your job. So stop reflect, stop deflecting. Stop putting that on somebody else. Stop waiting for the next thing. And know that God has fully equipped you to train up the next generation in the way that will follow God and please Him. Let's talk. Welcome back. Welcome back. I am so excited that you are back. Thank you for coming back to Conquer Me Podcast. I am Jennifer Jefferson, the voice behind the podcast. Here we talk about the joys of developing a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we have been having wonderful conversations throughout the entire uh, season. And oh my goodness, we're already in episode 21 of season three, which is mind blowing to me. And I pray that you have been receiving something. I pray that God has been answering your questions. And in everything I pray and I meditate and I ask the Lord to lead and guide me because at the end of the day, I am no one's God. I am no one's savior. So in other words, I'm saying, I don't have the answer, right? So my job is to go to the one who has the answer and trust and believe that the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding me throughout these recordings. And as I always call them conversations, because I imagine myself talking to whomever in front of me about the things that God has placed on my heart. And so I pray that you really have been receiving something. So today we're talking about is is our job. What specifically is our job? And here's the truth. As believers, there are a lot of responsibilities that we have. Coming into Christ does not lighten our responsibility. Okay, let's just be real. You you are commanded to become a new person. You are encouraged to change your speech. You are 
encouraged to change your thought processes. You are encouraged to lay down all weights and sins that so easily besets us so that we can, uh, where we can run the race. We are encouraged to do so many things in our walk with God. The blessing is that we have the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us throughout the way. Jesus himself tells us to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. He tells us that his yoke is easy and his burdens are light. So it does not mean that we will live a life without burdens or responsibility, but the blessed blessed hope that we have is in Christ Jesus, knowing that he is carrying majority of the load. He is strengthening us throughout the process. And today what we're talking about is our responsibility, specifically when it comes to teaching the next generation. It was maybe, I would say maybe the last couple months the Lord has been really placing on my heart the understanding specifically for myself, my responsibility to teach the next generation, specifically women when it comes to motherhood and a wife, right? And there's other areas where God is training me in and he's leading and guiding me in. But it's been really on my heart. I remember my sister and I were having this conversation and she mentioned the scripture where it talks about older women teaching the younger women, right? And I said, you know what, Lord, you did command us to do that. You have commanded us through your scripture on how to teach the younger women, the older generation teaching the uh, younger generation. I want to read these scriptures specifically. And I pray that you write down a lot of notes because there's, and this is not just for women. This is for all of us as believers, because there's multiple scriptures in the body. I mean, in the Bible that talks about the next generation teaching the next generation. I know in the church, we emphasize a lot the scripture that tells us train up a child in the way that uh, they, she may go, he may go. That's the King James version. Um, so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. Right. And so that gives a responsibility for parents. But what happens if you're not a parent? What happened if you have trained your children and you feel like, okay, now they're out in the world and they're doing their thing? Number one, the training of a parent never stops. I know myself, I still seek my mother's wisdom. I'm grown, married with children, but I still seek my mother's wisdom. So she is still not done training me. My father, before he passed, he was not done training all five of us. The same thing. So it's just like, just because our children have reached or your child has reached a a stage of becoming legally an adult or because now the world sees you as, as an adult does not mean that you still are not, shouldn't position yourself to be trained. You still need to sit yourself under elders. I myself, I remember as a kid, I used to love My favorite Bible class as a kid was not the uh, Bible class for teenagers. It was the Bible class with all the older gentlemen. I love sitting in their Bible class. They would, I was sitting in the back. There was like, you know, the church where uh, my home, my childhood church, that's the word I'm looking for. The ch- my childhood church had an upstairs and downstairs area. And the downstairs area had like a smaller sanctuary where we would meet there for Friday night services and Bible study. Now this is back in the day. Some of you all remember when, Lord, we were in church literally about four or five times throughout the week, okay? 
from rehearsals, Bible studies, multiple services, all these other things. So, but they had their Bible study in the main sanctuary and I would always just come in and I was just sitting in the back and I would listen to the men talk about the word of God. And I always just, for some reason, I've always loved to sit under my elders just to listen. And then sometimes I would go to the older women's class. They would call the senior women's class. And you listen to them about what God has done and their understanding of the word of God. But what has happened is, as we've gotten older in this day and age, we have more people, not all people, but more people who are trying to hold on a form of youth instead of embracing where they are. At the end of the day, God has blessed my husband and I as of today, because, you know, this podcast will continue to run for however many years. But as of today, my husband and I can say we've been together for 17 years and I'm grateful. But I still consider myself a child in marriage because there's so much for me to learn. Someone will say, man, 17 years, that's a long time. For me, I'm like, 17 years is nothing compared to those who've been together for 55 So it is still positioning myself as someone who desires to learn. But what's happening is where it's this, it is this wave and I'm seeing it over and over and over. And I don't know specifically what that spirit is. I don't know how to, the Holy Ghost has not led me specifically to a scripture. Uh, Well, thank you, Holy Ghost. Yes, he did. Let me go to this scripture. Second Timothy three and two. Second Timothy three and two says this. People will be be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful and unholy. This is a tie in into really what we are seeing consistently throughout the world in a lot of areas. In a lot of areas, not all areas and not all people are like this, but we're seeing this become more and more frequent. And I do believe that this spirit of us becoming lovers of ourselves have allowed us to drop the responsibility of us being held responsible of teaching the next. When the Bible talks about young women, I mean, older women teaching the younger women. And let's go to Titus 2, 4 and 8. And it says this. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind and to be subjects to their husbands so that uh, no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything set examples in example, excuse me, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, teaching integrity, seriousness, sound of speech. They cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about them. This is what was being taught in the scriptures above that. It says older generation teaching the younger generation. And I know that we have some issues now in today's age when we talk about wives being submissive to their husbands, but it is biblical. But the Bible does also say before, um, and I can't remember specifically where, but it talks about submit one unto one another. 
So if anyone is having an issue about, oh, here they go again, talking about wives, we have to submit. The word of God also tells us to submit to one another. That means husband and wives. There are areas in my life where God has gifted me in, where my husband will submit to the knowledge and the wisdom that God has given me. So we will follow the directions that God has given me and it's vice versa for him. But there's my pastor gave me this wisdom were some areas where I was struggling in uh, regarding leading, quote unquote. My pastor said, there can be a point where you two can move as, as one to where no one knows who truly is lead, leading because you're just moving as one. And that is a desire for anyone who, who comes together as husband and wife to eventually grow to where you're just moving as one. Child, we don't know who's more talented in this or not. It doesn't even matter because we're accomplishing what God has called us to do because we are loving one another because we're submitting to one another. We are sacrificing for each other. We are giving our all for one another for the glory of God. But it's your responsibility to teach this stuff. And I don't want you to wait for someone to listen. When did it become your responsibility to make someone receive what God has said? That's not yours. That is not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to teach the next generation. Your responsibility is to teach them the ways of God. Think about it. The entire book of Proverbs it is David writing all of, it is not, excuse me, but Solomon. He's writing all the tips and wisdom and the instructions that his father, David, gave him. It is wisdom. And we're looking at the next generation and the younger generation, whatever that is, and looking at them and saying, well, I don't understand what their problem is. Question, did you give them wisdom? Who is there to mentor someone? Who is there to walk with someone? I'm talking about walk with them through and through, through what God has called you to do. You're walking through them. And here's the thing. God has graced my husband and I to uh, mentor some couples. And there have been some people who God has graced me to mentor them as they see me either as big sis or they see me in the ministry as auntie, whatever the case is. And I take that position very serious. God uh, left, God really allowed uh, me to have this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful conversation with one of my spiritual nieces where she just pulled me to the side one day before service. Um, and she was just like, Auntie, I want to ask you a question. And she said, you know, we are calling you Auntie. And it's like, when you first got here, we just start calling you Auntie. Like, are you okay with this? Are you, you know, she started asking me several questions and I really appreciated her saying this. And um, and that's Britt. If you listen, thank you, honey. <laughs> but I appreciate her asking me this because it had me to really think and ponder. And I said to her and I said, you know what? At first it was uncomfortable because 
I was moving back to Washington and I was out of, I've been out of state for close to 20 years and now I'm moving back. And now it's just like, okay, this is different for me because I have all of these added nieces and nephews that I've never met before, but they're calling me auntie. And I'm like, okay, this is it. Cause my sister, she, my sister, my brother in love, they adopt everybody. Everybody is their child. And so it was, it was new for me, but then I realized the beauty of it. The beauty of it was it made me mature. I had to now step into my rightful place because where I was, even though, yes, it was, um, I had great friends and we were all kind of, um, I guess you can say on the same and we were challenging each other regarding our walks with God and our, our careers and all that type of stuff. So to be in a position where now you're considered as the mature one it made me realize, oh, no, 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 no. There's a responsibility for you to teach. There's a responsibility for you to give wisdom. All of this stuff that God has given you, you just don't sit on it. And what's happening because we're so comfortable in our circle, we have not positioned ourselves to actually be the mature one in a circle, because I understand we have a lot of thought process that come from the world. One of the things that come from the world when it comes to business, they always say, don't be the smartest person in the room. Sometimes you need to be the smartest person in the room because there's a group of people who are like, we're new to this and we don't know. And they need to know from someone who's been walking in it. But see, this goes back to the selfish mentality. And I'm saying this as someone where God had to really hit me with this. I can't always be in the place or in a room or at a church or at a ministry, wherever the case is, where it's always me receiving. Where is your giving? Not just giving because you're talented in singing or you're talented in this, but where is your giving to where you're like, God, who have I been called to mentor? Who have I been called to speak life into? Because God, I don't want to speak empty words. Matthew 12, 36 says this, but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. I don't want to speak empty words, foolish words, words that have nothing to do with anything, words that are idle, Words that are really idle. And sometimes people are saying what I guess when it comes to Greek it is really kind of a sin when you look at the definition of it. But I don't want to just speak things nonsensical and I'm just quoting what the world has said. How about this? I've said this saying, well, you know, grown folks going to do what grown folks going to do. What does that mean? You know, child, you just got to let people be. What does that mean? Now, once again, wisdom says you cannot make anyone walk a certain path. They have to choose. But it does not remove the responsibility on how you are supposed to show up, even if they are not receiving. See, the enemy is tricking us to make us think the only way for me to continue to walk in love with someone or, and, and be, be with them in love is that they need to be reciprocal to everything. I'm sorry, have we not denied Christ? Have we not been disobedient in certain areas of our life? What if Jesus responded and was short-tempered and ill-patient the way we are? 
if people don't get it the first time. We're like, you know, they don't want this. And we walk away. When I say God had to really help me with all of this stuff, I'm not saying that we cannot have boundaries, but those boundaries have to be led and they have to be placed by the Holy Spirit in his time and season under his wisdom. Because some of us are placing boundaries in areas because we are uncomfortable. And God is like, I need you to get uncomfortable. Because everything that you've been desiring and praying for is on that other side of uncomfortable. We have to know how to walk like Christ. Christ walked with a spirit and a mindset of sacrifice. So who are you teaching? Are we teaching the next generation? And here's the thing. When we teach, I don't need you to teach in your your, um, opinion. We don't need that. The word of God is full. We are blessed with the Bible that has over a thousand pages of wisdom and knowledge. Over a thousand. I really don't know. I'm looking at my Bible right now. I'm trying to see how many pages are really in here. And I'm in Revelation. So that's why I'm just saying, I'm going to say over a thousand pages, (laughs) over a thousand pages. My Bible, this is the NLT one. So I'm close to 1300 pages, full of scripture, scripture, full of instruction, full of wisdom, full of stories, full of God. I don't, I don't need to rely on my wisdom. I don't want to rely on my wisdom. Let me give you some practical steps. When you feel a burden for someone and they may be younger or you, and how about this? They may be um, lack maturity in certain areas where God has graced you to mature in. Number one, never approach it from a place of arrogance, haughtiness, or judgment. Do not do that. You have to you have to come to them in the spirit of humility. Colossians four and six says this. Let your conversation be always full of grace. I'm going to read that part again. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Always full. That is hard. Always Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Look, once again, that is hard. That is a strong task for us to say, wait a minute, I have to make sure that my conversation is always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that I may know how to answer everyone. So how do I do that? I have to stop. Think, pray, ask the Holy Spirit so many questions. So here are some things that I do. If I'm feeling led or someone comes to me um, with a question, as they're talking, I am praying in my mind. I am praying. I said, Holy Spirit, you know what they need. You know what I need to say. And you know what scriptures they need to study. So Lord, you guide me in this. And there have been times where the Lord just says, just listen. Just listen. And I would listen. And the Lord would just say, then pray. 
or tell them I'm praying for you? Or how do you want me to pray? All of these things, the only way for us to let our conversation always be full of grace and seasoned with salt so that we may answer everyone, we have to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit, in tune with his word. I can't be so quick to answer a question. I have to pause and say, I need you to take over right now, God, because why? This is a soul. And I don't want to mess up anything. I don't want to say any idle word because I was so quick to rely on my knowledge. I was so quick to rely on my wisdom. And the Lord may say, share your testimony. The Lord may say, okay, you know that revelation I gave you two weeks ago? Express that. The Lord may tell you, okay, tell them about the book that you're normally, that you're just now reading. Tell them about an article you just read. God will give us instruction. But we have to, number one, step back and say, Lord, teach me so that I can teach them. It is about us, number one, remaining students so that we can go ahead and teach others. Your responsibility is not removed. Because I remember there was a scripture um, that I would hear a lot of people in the older generation tell tell us when, when I was younger um, that there would be a generation that did not know them. But what's interesting is that scripture is talking about because of the previous generation. And I want to go to that. I believe this is the correct one. Joshua 4, 21 and 24. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Now, this is when the children of, of Israel have crossed over and they were commanded for each tribe to put a stone right in a certain place. And so this is the response of why we are doing it, why they had to do it. And um, it says this, it says, uh, what do these stones mean? Verse 22 says, tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground for the Lord, your God dried up the ground, the Jordan before you until you had crossed over the Lord, your God did to the Jordan, what he had done to the Red Sea. When he dried it up before us until we had crossed over, he did this so that all peoples of the earth may might know the hand of the Lord is powerful so that they may might always fear the Lord God. I want to continue. Let me find the right scripture I'm looking for. Because it continues on and it tells us, I'm trying to find the scripture. Trying to, I thought I had my notes out, but I didn't have the full scripture out. But basically it continues on to let us know that it is our, it's letting us know that this is our responsibility so that they will not be a generation who did not know God. That we will speak of their praises, of God's praises. So this passage of scripture, even from the children of Israel coming out, it is to remind the next and to remind ourselves of the goodness of God. But the question is, what are we speaking into the next generation? What reminders have we left physically for the next generation so that they know that this was the hand of God who brought us over. This was the hand of God who gave this miracle. This was the hand of God who positioned our family in this place. This was the hand of God, or is it laced with ourselves? Our foundation should be of the Holy Spirit. It should be of God in all the things that he has done. 
there is a power in our testimony. There is power in teaching, but there is a responsibility for teaching. I believe it was Peter, it was Peter or Timothy who says in the Bible how he he actually tells people not to become a teacher because, you know, don't have the temperament. So this is why, so I want us to switch. So the Bible tells us that we're supposed to teach the next generation. This is what the Bible tells us. And I want to read this other scripture real quick. And it says this, um... Psalms 145 and four, one generation commands your works to the next. They tell of your mighty acts. Psalms 71 and 18, even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God. Tell I declare, till I declare the power to the next generation, your mighty acts to who, to all who are to come. This was David saying, Lord, don't look. I need to be able, even when I'm old and gray, give me your power and your strength. Don't take me out until I tell the next generation of your goodness. This is what the children of Israel was instructed. This is what we are instructed to do. It is our responsibility to teach the next. I want us to know that and get that in our spirit because we're waiting for the pastors and the bishops and ministers or whoever, whatever title folks have for them to do the stuff. No. You, you have a responsibility. I remember watching this story of these dads. It was, it was, I want to say it was a couple of years ago in Houston, Texas. It was a high school that kept getting into fights and it was like three days in a row, three days in a row. These kids were fighting and the fights were bad. I'm talking about brawl. And one of them went viral. Um, And it was like literally 20 kids fighting another group of 20 kids. It was just kids, kids fighting. These are kids, babies. And so one day I said he had enough. His child went to the school. So what he did, he decided to gather up other fathers. And he asked, I believe, for permission from the school. And I don't know if they went to the school board, but either way, he worked with the school. And he said, we're going to have a group of dads to come up here and we're going to walk the halls. Some of them didn't even have children that went to the school. Their kids were grown, but they were like, but these are my kids. I'm responsible for the next generation. So what they did, they just walked the halls. They called them dads on duty and they're walking the halls. And they said, ever since those fathers have been there, the amount of fighting has decreased significantly. And they're not giving these kids a whole bunch of lectures. They just saying, hey, one of them, he talked about how much he loved giving dad jokes and the kids were laughing like, oh my gosh, this is so corny. One kid said, it's nice to see positive male figures because we don't have that in my family. Your presence matters. You showing up for someone else matters. This is how Christ desires us to walk. I am not asking you to stop going after your dreams and your ambition. But who is it that God has called you to literally show up for? Not to show up for the physical church. A lot of believers, they think I'm showing up because I'm showing up for the physical church. I go to church on Sunday 
or I'm involved in small groups. I am, maybe you sing, maybe you are a greeter, whatever your position is within the church. You're like, well, this is how I show up. That's wonderful. And that's a part of it. But also what is a part of it is you having a one-on-one time with somebody. Who are you supposed to connect with via text, via phone call, via prayer? Or even if it's doing something like the, like the story of the dads on duties to where now you start a, a movement that has really started to spark up across the country where fathers, specifically black fathers, and they're open to all fathers, but you're seeing majority black fathers show up in these schools and are like, no, we're going to be here for these kids. They're going to know that they are not alone. We're going to train them up on how to walk with integrity on how to be the man or the woman you desire to be. I have no desire to go back to that woman in my 20s or even in my 30s. I don't. And what I see now that I'm out of it, because what I was saying before, and I don't think I completed the sentence, but basically how we're holding on to our youth. And I remember I used to struggle with that. I used to feel like, ah, Ooh, this age is coming up on me. I'm getting older. I don't know all the latest, you know what I'm saying? I don't know the the latest songs and the latest slang words or whatever. And then I got to the point like, who cares? What does it do for me? So I might not be the trendiest. I don't know all the trends. I never was a person who really cared for all the trends anyway, because trends come and go. And I feel like trends are fickle. So if you're always following trends, my, my question is, do you know who you are? Because trends change on a consistent, on a consistent basis, especially now with internet and social media and all these things, trends, trends are much faster than for my children versus than what, when I was a kid, things change fast, but we're holding on to a youth or a youthful side of us. And really what it is, it's not youth, it's an immaturity. Because I don't want to seem like that that auntie, that uncle. I don't want to seem like that person who's always like, no, nah, don't do that. Well, I did it. Did, let me ask you this. Did you learn from what you did? Because some of the things that we did back in the day, we can look back and like, Lord, if it was not for your grace and your mercy that kept me. So now give them the experience to gain more wisdom and nugget now, earlier than what you grabbed. There were so many things to where I just had to learn on my own. And this next generation, when I say the next generation specifically, I'm noticing the Gen Z generation and now what they call the alpha generation. They ask a lot of questions, but yes, they're also kind of a know-it-all and that's okay. So that means I have to know, I have to have patience. I have to have grace. But truthfully, every generation in their youth felt like they knew better than than the older generation. I thought my parents didn't understand anything. I was dismissive on certain things. But that comes with immaturity. So you, being the responsible one, are not supposed to be swayed or discouraged by the immature. Because what's happening is there is 
a movement of people who are excited about the Lord and they are being swayed in so many different ways because they're not giving, what's the correct word I'm looking for? They're not giving the full foundation and the truth and the truth of God in certain ways. And a lot of the knowledge that they are giving is stuff that is not meaty. It is not really of substance. And that's what I'm looking for. So there's a scripture that talks about zeal, not according to knowledge. And I'm trying to find it. But in the scripture, it talks about zeal, not according to knowledge. And what happens is they become hasty and they move in their own ways. And they ended up um, establishing there is a ignorance. Here we go. This is what it is. Romans 10, 2 and 4. A lot of times I really do try to be... uh, fully prepared, but as I'm talking and as things are happening, the Lord just begins to give me more scriptures to give you all. And I always want to make sure I'm giving you all specifically where the scripture is. And this scripture is mentioned twice in the Bible. Once one time it is mentioned in Proverbs. Um, but the one I want to specifically talk about is in Romans uh, 10, two through four. And it says this, and this is the, I'm going to read the, um, I read the NIV version and it says, for I can testify about them that they are zealous for God. That means there's excitement. They're eager about God, but their eagerness or their zeal is not based on knowledge. What is knowledge? The knowledge and the know of God and who God is. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is a combination of the law so that they, that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. And what happens is as the more and more you read and study this passage of scriptures, You see that the zeal is not according to knowledge. So what does that mean? They're excited about God and the move of God, but there is no knowledge of who he is. There's no relationship of who he is. No one guided them on who God is. That's your responsibility. No one. We're looking at people like, that's not God. We can see some of those of us who are mature in the faith. We can see something that is not the spirit of God. And we can see someone falling for something that is not the spirit of God, but yet won't say a doggone word. That's a problem. Have you even prayed? Say, Lord, open their eyes. Is it me that's supposed to open their eyes? Or is it somebody else? Proverbs 19, 2 says this. It is dangerous to have zeal without knowledge. And the one who who acts hastily makes poor decisions. We have to encourage the next generation to follow the ways of God. And I'm not asking you to be someone who is a, um, they called them Bible thumpers back in the day to where they just really beat people over the head with the word of God because they were so aggressive about it. There are so many ways that Jesus taught people how to live. And the disciples taught people how to live that were based on biblical principles. Let's say, for instance, you have a passion for finances. Have you studied the word of God regarding finances and what the word of God says regarding being a steward and debt 
and investments and all these other in giving so that you can teach people the righteous ways of God according to finances, but you're teaching them what, what the scripture says. And sometimes we can teach people what the scripture says without really saying the scripture because that is also wisdom. Not everyone is going to be receptive to where if we say the Bible says. But going back to the financial analogy, we can say, well, it's best if you do not have debt. You want to minimize debt because with debt, you're always owing somebody. And what is that feeling that comes about when you're always owing somebody and you don't have enough? And you know what that is? The scripture talks about how uh, the debtor is always the slave to the one who owes to the who who they owe debt to. So I guess that would be the debt T will owe to the debtor. I'm not quite sure what the right word is, okay? <laughs> but you all understand what I'm saying. So there are ways to where we can teach people in the ways of God. We can teach people how to be kind, how to love your neighbor, how to release uh, anger and how to be uh, and really walk in unforgiveness and all these things. And God will allow you to walk with someone. But are you willing? to be the one to say, you know what? I'm going to step up. God, show me who I'm supposed to mentor. God, show me who am I supposed to speak life into. I don't want to be selfish anymore. I don't want it to wear just, where's my feeding? Where is that? And truthfully, some of y'all, y'all cup, your, your cups are so full and you have people who are with a drop in their cup and they're waiting for you to pour into them. You know what it is. You know what God has really blessed you to overcome. You know what God has given you a passion for. If you're like, well, I don't know where to start. Start with your own testimony. Maybe there was a time in your life to where you dealt with depression and now you are not. How are you helping someone who's dealing with that now? Ask the Holy Ghost to really give you the words so that you can teach the next. I pray this has blessed you. I pray this has encouraged all of us, including myself, that it is our responsibility. There's nothing wrong with having that youthful air about ourselves and still want to show up in the world in a certain way, let it be image, clothes, hair, whatever the case is. But we need to make sure that stuff is rooted in God, that we're not coming from a place of immaturity, because we want to hold on to our glory years. Or some of us may have missed certain years because we were so responsible. Or maybe you had children young or you got married young and all this and you're like, I'm discovering me and it's about me now. Well, you better check with scripture that falls in line with that. That's the only thing I'm asking. My job is to make sure that we are living a life that's according to God that we are really aligning ourselves with our scripture, with the scripture, and then also aligning ourselves so that we can be receptive to him. Lord, I thank you for every person that is listening right now. Lord, I thank you right now for placing a burden on all of our hearts on who we are supposed to pour into and how we're supposed to show up in this world. Some of us, we're, we are allowing social media to cause more division by what we text or what we respond to versus by us actually bringing people to you and have people draw closer to you by what we put out there. Help us, Lord Jesus, to see where we are missing it regarding the responsibility of teaching the next 
generation. And the next generation cannot just, it's maybe not necessarily how we define the next generation, but if someone is younger in age or maybe uh, lack maturity in certain areas, Lord, you give us the wisdom on how to show up, how to walk with them, how to love with them and how to be there with them so that they can see you and so that they can go ahead and do that for the next. We are here to edify one another and to make sure that you are glorified. And Lord, if there's anybody who is listening right now, who do, they don't know you as your savior. They want to know you. They're like, God, I want to be responsible for others, but yet I don't know how to do this according to your will. I need you as my savior. God, I ask that you open their hearts and they repeat after me. Lord, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you rose and died for my sins. Please forgive me of my sins. Thank you for being my savior, my friend, and my deliverer. If you believe that and you have said that and you have confessed that with your mouth and you believe that with your heart, you are now saved. That our salvation is a gift that comes from God. And when we confess it and we believe it, we are now saved. Please find a good church home. I just really encourage us to find a good church home. Let it be a small group, Bible study, whatever it is. And take your time, knowing that it takes time to find the right group of people in your season in life, okay? Be patient with others as you will want them to be patient with you. Love you all, and I will speak to you next week.